Welcome to the Mechanical Inc. podcast, a collection of conversations about the open source ecosystem. We speak with maintainers and companies that play a key role in ensuring the health and sustainability of open source today and in the future. Hey, Abby and Maitri, thanks so much for joining me on the Mechanical Inc. podcast. Thanks for having us. It's a huge pleasure. So um, to let the cat out of the bag, you're both from GitHub, um, and we are quite a big, big fans, <laughs> to put it mildly, of GitHub and everything that GitHub does. And um, I've known Abby for quite some time. And so when I started with this podcast idea, that it's like the second one I'm doing, I thought like, and I heard the announcements at the recent GitHub Universe, I was like, I wonder if I can make this happen. And so I reached out and, wow, I was so pleasantly surprised that you were so open to this. So, again, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this. And um, I'm excited to share all the great stuff we'll talk about today with uh, the larger community. With all of that said, um, can we get a little bit of background on the two of you and what your roles at GitHub and in the open source ecosystem? Yeah, for sure. Um, I can kick us off, if that's okay. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, so hi, I'm Abby Kubunak-Mays. I lead GitHub's open source maintainer programs where we engage, invest, and advocate for open source maintainers. Um, I joined about six months ago uh, because I really do want to be supporting maintainers. So Skulk, like you mentioned, we work together at Mozilla. So it's so great to reconnect here. Um, but I actually started my career in cancer research. So I was writing web apps for scientists um, so that they could do some like data analysis and data visualization. And this was like really meaningful work for me. My grandmother had passed away from cancer. So this idea that I was helping someone else's grandmother um, was yeah really powerful. Um, but the longer I was there, the more I realized how often researchers sometimes fudge their data a bit or maybe not even share it just to further their own career and get cool discoveries out there. And, you know, I found that that, that was outraging. Um, that's why like now I care so much about open source and open science. I think the best innovations happen when we are doing things in the open and sharing the results that we have. So since then I've spent my career really supporting the open source ecosystem, both for scientists and now more broadly. Um, and through this work, I've seen that maintainers have like truly an outsized impact on the space. They shape how the communities collaborate. They're the ones that are securing funding often. They're the ones that ensure that the projects function sustainably. Um, so I'm really excited to be here at GitHub where I'm in a role where I can truly be supporting those maintainers and helping more of this open source happen. Yeah, that's wonderful. I had no idea about your early start. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, so for, for me, um, you know, I came to GitHub about four years ago and I had always sort of been involved in open source on an adjacency level. So um, you know, I was running an engineering team at Palantir, my former employer, and we were using a ton of Cassandra frameworks and um, software. And I remember there was this point in the middle of the night in London one day, and we were like, we don't know what the hell we're doing, actually. Uh, maybe we should get someone who's an expert that we can actually talk to. And we realized that we had no one <laughs> that we could actually reach out to. Um, and I remember going to GitHub and saying like, oh, well, like there's this one contributor, maybe they'll speak to us, you know, let's reach out. And like, there was this whole shenanigans around how we were going to contact this person. We finally got them online. And we're like, we will 
literally do anything if you will just spend an hour with us, please. <laughs> um, and they were ended up being really helpful and, um, you know, helping push our product forward. And I remember that. And so when GitHub was um, acquired by Microsoft back in 2018, I joined as part of the new leadership team. I was chief of staff to the CEO, Nant Friedman. Um, and really, my, my biggest passion for joining was how do we get the open source community out front and center? How do we support them? How do we actually build so that, like Abby was saying, all of these maintainers really have the tools that they need as well as the support that they need to be super successful? Because uh, like Abby, you know, I believe that open source... Uh, really does push us forward. We're not all doing the same work. In fact, we can all leverage each other. It's, it's the biggest team sport that I can think of across the globe. Um, and so I was chief of staff to Nat. We, we did a ton of different initiatives like GitHub sponsors. I'm sure we'll get into that later. Um, and then now I'm working um, within the CEO's office for Thomas, who's our new uh, GitHub CEO, and really focus on the open source economy. So how do we get the right players, both from the company side as well as the developer side, matched up um, and working together so that open source not only can survive over the next decade, but really thrive. Um, and so that's kind of the, the focus and why we've launched these last two programs that Skulk, you just talked about, the Accelerator and the Fund. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into it just now. So um, that's kind of the background on me. Great. Yeah, thanks. That's exciting. Yeah, for sure. No, I also definitely want open source ecosystem to thrive. And I do feel like GitHub is playing a key role there. And talking to to that, um, I think one of the announcements, uh, one of the many announcements that was, was made during Universe in 2022, I believe that's the year, um, um, is in... So there's a couple of ones. So one of the ones is where you're literally investing in the stack that you depend on. And that is really cool. Um, you don't often see that. And I think, I hope that sets a precedent for the industry to like take note that, you know, it's, it's, it's the thing you should do. If you're relying on open source to build your business, then you really should invest back into, into your own stack at the very least. But GitHub, of course, is going above and beyond that, and we'll dig into some of those things. But I know some of the stuff that kicked all of this off was a pilot program that was run in India called OS Grants. I'm curious if you can share anything about the experience of running that program and if there's any like specific lessons that came out of that that then influenced all these new initiatives. Yeah, so Karin, who uh, sits in the GitHub DevRel team, really brought that program to life. He was super instrumental. And, um, you know, one of the biggest learnings was sometimes developers just need the time and the space to go experiment. You know, as a maintainer, often what happened is you threw something out there that scratched your own itch and you're like, well, I, I'm going to give this back to the community. And then, you know, fast forward six months later and you get, you know, 20 issues a day of people asking you to do this or do that. And, you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I really love this project. I very much want to work on it, but I also have a full-time job and a family and a life. And, uh, you know, this impending doom of issue lists is just coming over the edge and kind of crushing me under the weight. And so, you know, you often see maintainers have these almost apology posts and I'm like, don't apologize. Like you're doing something great for us. And um, so they need the time, they need the space to actually say, well, what if this could be something real? What should I be doing? And you know, GitHub doesn't want to be the person who's telling everyone this is how the market should work. Um, and so the, the OS Grants um, program was really an experiment. It was like, well, if we just gave you the money so you would have the time, 
what happens next? And I think one of the coolest things that came out of that program was, you know, two of the maintainers, I'll just use two as an example, there are 20 in the group, but two were uh, sort of stuck out. Um, you know, Peter Thomas, who runs Karate Labs, and Leas Thomas, who runs No Relation, totally different people <laughs> um, and families. Um, Leas Thomas, who runs Hot Scotch now, both kind of came out of that program and then ended up doing other things and, and raising money, joining YC, becoming full-fledged open-source companies. And that was really exciting to us. And we thought, well, if you know, more people had this and you had more examples and not just examples that were going into venture backed startup paths. Uh, we could really paint a path for more maintainers that you don't have to just feel crushed by the weight of the expectations of the community and then doing this on nights and weekends, but you could actually, uh, you know, make this a full-time career or make this a full-time company. And we wanted to start with an experiment. We also started in India because it's the fastest growing geography for GitHub. And, you know, we've added mm. more developers in India in the last year than there were on GitHub in 2012, 10 years ago, uh, which is really quite stark yeah. from a single region. Wow. So, yeah, so we were excited about uh, being able to support this and then also going global. Um, and so it, it really became kind of the, the seed crystal or the impetus for us uh, building out a more full-fledged program with the GitHub Accelerator, which we launched back at Universe uh, a couple of weeks ago here. Yeah, that's super interesting. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Abby? Well, I was just going to say it is really interesting to see, um, yeah, seeing the engagement in India specifically. I know they had the longest wait list for sponsors. So when it was launched, it suddenly, I'm, I know... Um, um, yeah, they, there are some of the top people on sponsors now, so it's exciting just to see it grow and see this expand. That's great. Yeah. So actually, Abby, um, I wonder if, um, no, no, go for it. Go for it. Oh, sorry, Scald. I wonder if, um, I wonder if it makes sense for us to talk a little bit about the, the journey here. Cause I would say, you know, OS grants was sort of our first experiment on a program side, but back in 2019 was our first big experiment in this space. Uh, you know, we launched sponsors, um, which, you know, you go to any GitHub profile that has uh, sponsors turned on, you can actually just with a single click next to the code that you're using, go and sponsor a developer, you know, whether that it's you as an individual. Um, and we also have a, you know, a beta program right now for companies to go do that. Um, and what we've seen over the last three years is so many people want to be able to do this. I mean, I think people were sort of uh, kind of Frankenstein monstering this together, right? Like Open Collective and so many other um, companies in the space are also doing this to support uh, <laughs> maintainers out there. But it's always, you know, you go to the website and people are like, well, you can buy me a cup of coffee and like this will help me sort of fuel my my night work uh, this day or that day. And with sponsors, what we really wanted to formalize was this idea that you should be working in open source. It should be out in the open, but it shouldn't be, um, you know, completely unpaid. It shouldn't be something that we expect from you um, just because you happen to have donated your your prior time and energy and talent um, to the community. And so sponsors has really had this great rise over the last three years. We've seen a ton of different examples of people experimenting. Um, you know, Caleb Porzio is, is one person, uh, he's done a couple of podcasts and things. You should definitely check him out. But, um, you know, he sort of came on to sponsors in 2019, 2020, I want to say, and his objective was like, well, can I make a hundred thousand dollars a year? Can I, can I replace my paycheck? 
for my employer on sponsors. And very rapidly, mm-hmm. he actually did. <laughs> um, and I remember wow. seeing that example and just getting such a surge of energy. I was like, wow, okay, you should be able to do this. Um, and, you know, there, there have been other people who have been using sponsors. Syndra, who is a very long-time GitHub contributor, maintainer, um, developer, you know, he's very active in the community as some of the most he has, I think, the highest count of sponsors overall. Um, and, you know, you also see folks like Evan Yu from Vue.js, uh, who has built an incredible community, um, an incredible organization that is really making sure that Vue has um, both resiliency and sustainability outside of just his contributions, which I find to be really interesting. And so sponsors has gone through this really great journey over the last three years. Um, and then with OS Grants, you know, the kind of lesson that we're learning is you just need more of them. Like we need more kind of tinkering and experimentation in this space. And in some ways, GitHub, we just want to be the matchmaker. Like, okay, you want to go do this. Here are the four or five mentors that you can go talk to. And then here are the four or five profiles that you should be able to just fork and create as your sponsor's profile. Um, And then here are the, you know, several companies that depend on your software today. And in some ways, like you were saying, Skulk, uh, you know, actually give back because the software that you created powers their products that they make, you know, thousands or millions or billions of dollars off of. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that volunteer work should be recognized and appreciated and maintained over time. So, um, you know, we've gone through the sponsor's trajectory um, and now we're sort of coming back and saying, what are the small, cool experiments that we can do to give developers that time um, to to really focus on their open source projects. Yeah. And Skulk, I know you mentioned um, bulk sponsorships a little bit at the beginning, and we did experiment with that back in June as part of Maintainer Month. Just we had half a million dollars and we wanted to see, can we as GitHub um, distribute this to all our dependencies? So we found all the dependencies that GitHub as the org and all of our other orgs, we have a lot of them, (laughs) uses. And there are 900 dependencies that had sponsors turned on. So we just split the money evenly between all of them. And part of doing that was like writing some tooling so that we could actually get the money everywhere because it was quite a manual process before. And so now because of that, uh, like bulk sponsorships is on the way. So I'm excited to see this expand um, both with investing in these individual maintainers, but also encouraging companies to yeah, pay for your stack or give money back to your stack. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love this this way that GitHub... Um, at, at Mozilla, they call it fox fooding. I don't know if you call it octocat feeding or yeah. what, at, at, <laughs> but where you, you use your own product, right? And your own, um, everything like kind of organically grows out of the need, a needed get up that you then fill and then give to the community and say, we found this useful. We'll, we're pretty sure you'll find it useful as well. I love that organic growth of GitHub. Um, a couple of things that you've mentioned actually leads me to a different topic that I was thinking of touching on later, but I think it's a good place to do it now. And um, so it's, I think India, in terms of um, the regional challenges that they face um, and also the growth that, that that you've mentioned. I think Africa resembles that very much. Um, there's, there's a lot of similarities between these two uh, countries, continents, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I think this idea that so, – so the reason why I'm bringing this up, so let me stay back a little bit. So I've 
recently found, so there's two different statistics. I'll talk about the second one a bit later, but um, of all open source contributions, only 3% comes from Africa. And if you if you think about the fact that 17% of the world's population live in Africa, then it's kind of mind-boggling to think why it's so why such a small percentage of contributions come from the continent of Africa. But it is for the very reasons that you have highlighted. Um, for people in Africa, number one is getting a job, and number two is getting enough money to be able to put food on the table. And if you have any time left after all of that, you might consider contributing to open source if you have the energy, and if you have access to stable infrastructure, which means power, internet, and um, access to hardware. So, you know, if, if somebody in, in Africa had to start an open source project, it would be very hard for them to maintain that long term if they get traction on it, simply because they won't be able to quit their day job and do this. You know, they won't be able to say, I'm going to quit my job. And they'll have to, you know, burn the midnight oil, so to speak, you know, burn the candle at both ends because they'll have to go to their day job, make the money to put food on the table, and then after after hours spend time working on this project. Um, and I think things are getting better. Um, in, so in terms of how people view open source, and I think language is very important here. That's why I like <clears throat> this name of ventures and sponsors, because I think people, it shouldn't be like a donation, because I like the idea of teaching people to fish instead of giving them a fish. So um, I think that builds continuity and that, that helps people grow, um, because later on you can pass it on to the next person. If you've learned and you've grown and you've learned to fish, you can teach the next person how to fish. Instead of if you just get a bunch of money, and it's like, ooh, nice. People tend to also um, not spend it very wisely uh, if you get it, if it's too easy. So <clears throat> what I'm getting at with all of that is I think these initiatives that GitHub is starting, I know there was some negativity towards it because ah, keep money out of open source, but I think that's the wrong attitude. Um, I think it's one of the things that open source has been missing is real monetary investment in this space. So I'll, you know, stand the line and say that I think what GitHub is doing is the right thing. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious what, what ideas you have for the African context and similar countries, not just Africa, um, and how you think these initiatives that GitHub is driving can really impact and allow people in these regions to maybe double that percentage from three to six percent. Yeah, Abby, I'm, I can jump in and take this one. Yeah, so yes. I think, you know, I'm, I'm super passionate about this. Back in 2019, um, I took a trip with the GitHub leadership team to Lagos in Nigeria. Um, and that's only one part of a, a very large continent. So it's obviously a window into that world, but not the full picture. And the overwhelming feel of the place was everyone who was involved in open source loved being involved because of the community, the amount of learning that they were able to engage with, the actual opportunities that it then created, you know, whether that was job opportunities or other companies that they could join and found together. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone said exactly what you said, Skulk, which is, I need a day job. You know, I don't have the the wherewithal, the privilege to be able to not take a paycheck. Um, and open source has allowed me to be discovered, but it is not the place where I can actually build a career. And that really bothered me 
Um, because at the end of the day, all of us building enclosed silos at companies doesn't quite further our joint mission, right? You know, there's a lot of rework in that. There's a lot of duplicative efforts. Um, and so one of the main objectives about the accelerator, and if, if I can just sort of kind of take a step back and explain um, parts of that accelerator, is we as GitHub want to start really small with a specific set of folks where we can really show, irrespective of geography, irrespective of career level, irrespective of you know, the connections and the people that you know, you have an ability to be connected to the internet and build a project that can be your livelihood. Uh, you know, there's no boundaries as far as open source go. It's a global community that you can access anywhere. Um, and so, you know, one part of the accelerator is we're going to put our money where our mouth is for the 10 weeks that you're with us. We're going to actually pay um, and give you a stipend so that you can support your life in whatever way and actually have the choice of doing this full time. Um, and then on the other side of it, you know, you get connected to this global community of mentors that, you know, you might not be able to meet if you're running the streets of, of Lagos or Joburg or, or wherever you are. Um, but you actually, you know, we're all in the cloud now. We don't actually live anywhere. Um, and so you can actually build a business or build a career uh, without any barriers based on your location. So I think that's one big part of it. Ezra Lobi, who I actually met on that trip, um, who is the CTO of Paystack, uh, you know, it's a YC-backed company that's um, fintech now, um, now in my stripe, but um, they really showed a great example of what this could look like. You know, they started out in Lagos and are a globally uh, competitive company within the Stripe um, uh, family. So, you know, I think that was a, a big part of what this accelerator is about. And I hope that many of the participants aren't from the classical backgrounds of people in uh, the U.S. where I am or, or Western Europe, um, but actually kind of span the globe because it, it is a global talent marketplace. And I, I don't think that that should be a barrier to whether or not you can um, you can contribute and you can uh, build a career here. So um, definitely a big I, my my resounding feel right now is yes, I agree, and so we should be doing something about this um, overall. Um, so Abby, I know that you're as you mentioned earlier, actually you're head of the Open Source Maintainer Program, and I learned about that by accident, kind of, um, through the grapevine. And when I learned more about what exactly that is, I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I, I didn't know, I had no idea GitHub does this. So I would love you to tell us a little bit more about what that program is and how somebody or some organization or whatever on GitHub can become part of that program. Yeah, of course. Yeah, did you learn from the MozVet Slack, I'm assuming? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, we do have a set of programs that engage different types of open source maintainers on GitHub. Uh, we are still building out a lot of this work, um, but right now we're doing a lot of work with the top maintainers program. So these are maintainers of key large open source projects that are working at scale and with big impact on the ecosystem. Um, so we, we used a few things to sort of gather this. First was some data. Uh, we called it OctoRank, which is just looking at like sort of the size of the community on GitHub, the forks, the stars, and different metrics that we have, but also a lot of manual curation, just looking at the ecosystem and seeing which projects we thought like should be part of this. 
Um, and so for this group, we do meet with them regularly to provide both like a private space for peer learning, but also uh, like support, just one-on-one support to make sure that they're getting what they need out of GitHub and that GitHub can really support their communities and continue to grow. Um, and they're also a nice platform for testing out new features and just getting feedback from these people who are running the open source that is so, uh, so dependent on by our whole digital infrastructure. Um, so this is a quite a different, uh, it's a different, can't think of that word. It's a different back, backup profile, profile of open source maintainers than some of the broader maintainers that we're seeing. So these are people that are normally like fully employed to do this work. Um, and they're working on giant products and not, not really the small items. So we're also for the broader open source community of maintainers. We do things like maintainer month. We mentioned a little bit, um, the bulk sponsorships that was part of a maintainer month experiment. Like we wanted to see if we can give this money to maintainers um, efficiently and uh, yeah, fairly. So just distributing it equally. Everyone got about $500 um, US USD. So we partnered with sponsors and OSPO for that, the open source program office here. Um, but we are still building out uh, our breadth maintainers program. So ways that we can just help your average open source maintainer who maybe isn't full-time paid at a company to do this, or who's just starting out, or who's running a, a piece of project that's really highly dependent on by a lot of people, but maybe it's not as visible. So it's maybe lower down on the stack. Um, so it's a little bit harder for people to, to see that and want to contribute. So a lot of what I'm thinking about over this next year, actually, now that we're at the end of the year and I'm starting to plan, um, like how do we better engage this broader group of breath maintainers and how do we give them a place to, uh, um, to really learn from each other um, and, and just be successful as maintainers. So yeah, if people are interested, reach out, let me know what you need. Yeah, that's great. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah, no, um, we'll, we'll share the necessary information so people can, can connect with you. I think it's an in, invaluable service um, to people. And yeah, there's so many things going on at GitHub. It's, it's like the JavaScript ecosystem. It's nearly impossible to keep up with. So <laughs> I'm glad you're sharing all of these things. Um, talking about uh, supporting uh you know, various people. One of the other things that I told when I, when I mentioned the 3%, I said there was another metric that I was curious about. And that is around um, contributions from people who identify as female. Now, there was a study done, um, which, okay, so first of all, according to data, it says that around 13% of contributions to open source comes from people who identify as female. Again, a very low number. Um, if you take in the you know, ratio in populations. But moreover, there was a study done um, to look at this idea of uh, masking a contributor's um, identity when they open a pull request. And so all you see is an avatar with a nondescript username and uh, code. So that's all you have to go on. <clears throat> and what they found is when it's like that, more pull requests from female contributors were accepted than from male. Whereas when you take the blinders off, it reverses. It goes back to, to this, this statistic, which is interesting. Um, so there's some theories around why, the because uh, one of the reasons why you would merge a pull request is because it's high quality, right? So, um, so they were asking also the question of, so why is female contribution such high quality and why is it missed when you connect the identity to the code? So there's, 
I guess, cultural things going on there that's a little tough to to identify and address. But the other thing is, it's this whole concept that, um, yet again, referring to another study, <clears throat> they found that a female is only likely to apply for a job if she feels she can fulfill 100% of the job requirements. And we all know what job requirements look like. And, you know, for the most part, it's almost impossible to fill 100% of what is requested on the job application. Whereas men will... Um, will apply if they can only satisfy roughly 65% of it. So it's it's this weird like disconnect. So I wonder if if GetUp has done any research, done any experimentation, have any additional insights? Do you have any ideas around this? Like how can we how can we like make this healthier? Um but I want to preface before I hand it back to you, I want to preface that with um, another piece of interesting information. So there's a person called Jaron Lanier. Um, I believe he's at Microsoft Research still. Um, he was like the father of virtual reality. Uh, he talks a lot about social media. And he has an interesting thing theory that he shared where he says like, the interesting thing that he's found is GitHub is the most successful open social network on the internet. And I've I've never really put those two together the social network aspect and the code thing but it's there it's always been there i mean there's even a shirt that i have from github that says social coding so that the social aspect of it has always been part of of github um and his theory is that the reason why github is getting the social aspect right um let's just leave the 13 percent on the shelf for right now is because there's this sense of a shared ownership and there's this creative pursuit that's happening where people are making things together and they share this ownership of these things they're making and all the other social networks have none of that you all you have creators and you have consumers and the one serves the other you you almost don't have collaborative things the interesting thing is maybe that's why tiktok is so successful because it has a little bit more of a collaborative aspect where you can rough off another person's video and put your little thing spin on it. So that's a, that's a lot of like theories and ideas and, and research and stuff. So I just love to like give the floor over to the two of you and just speak to whatever resonated in all of that with you. I do, I do think I remember that study you mentioned where um, like the women identified profiles when they masked them in GitHub, um, they were the polar press were, accepted a little bit earlier. Was that a Mozilla research study? Am I remembering that correctly? Um, Mozilla had this idea. It was abandoned, but the study I, re I read wasn't oh. directly based off of the Mozilla initiative, but the Mozilla one had pretty much the same results. Yeah. Um, I was just going to ask, Nathan, do you have like Demetrius's work with All In? Because I remember her sharing this, the study that they did as research preparing for this All In program, just to really help increase diversity in open source. Um, I'm trying to look, look it up now so I can share a little bit more. But um, I think when they were looking at it, a good percentage of open source contributors said that they felt welcome. Like it was like really high, 80s or 90s. Um, but then if they looked at the underrepresented groups, so those the, like, that did not identify as men um, or from like different underrepresented groups, within that, it was much lower. It was like closer to 50, 60% that actually felt like they were welcome in open source communities. So just understanding that 
that disconnect um, was really big for her. And then she built out this all-in program, which really partnered with HBCUs, the historically Black universities and colleges in the U.S., uh, to provide internships for underrepresented groups and get them into open source. So I apologize if I'm getting those numbers wrong. But I think that's like the rough <laughs> percentages that they had. And maybe I'll let you chime in if you could think of anything else. Yeah, I mean, I, I did want to touch on the social coding aspect, Skulk, because I think that's really core to what GitHub is, um, which is ultimately when you think about the community on GitHub and how they're building together, it is a social endeavor. It's something that, uh, you know, you really depend on this team of people that you may have never even met. You may never meet. Uh, you don't even know what their, their names are, right? They're, you know, you're just got the, the GitHub handle. Um, and that, sort of pursuit that you were talking about that Euron speaks to as well is really beautiful. Like the fact that you have an entire community of folks that you can build with together that you may never know, that you will never know, um, but that you are building on the work of others. You're sort of standing on shoulders of giants if you want to use the, the often used colloquial phrase, right? And I think that's what makes me so happy that GitHub exists and that there's open source, you know, open source would still exist outside of GitHub, but it certainly made it easier that a simple pull request could enable you to learn from and work with some of the, the best people in the industry or the uh, type of technology that you're working on. So I really appreciate that, you know, there is this sense that GitHub isn't just a fully consumptive or the classic social network experience, but rather is a productive pursuit where people actually want to move things forward together. You know, you're not getting eyeballs because you've said something controversial or you've been kind of a jerk uh, in some social networks, right? Um, but that actually you are helping someone do something or you're adding to this global network of knowledge that exists on GitHub. So for that reason, you know, it's a company that, that I'm proud to work for, but also a community that I'm proud to be a part of. Um, and then to the, to the point around, you know, underrepresented voices and things like that, I think a lot of this is about, um, being able to share examples of folks who have done this successfully. And I, I think open source over the last 20 years has really changed in its overall makeup. I think we have a lot to do, um, moving forward, but, um, I am sort of heartened just by the overall, um, group that have come through all in, like Abby was talking about, as well as many of the campus advocates and the thousands of um, GitHub education participants, you know, that makeup is vastly different than the current um, GitHub community today. So I'm sort of heartened and excited about what the future entails on that side. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm always, I don't know, I'm, I'm grateful that GitHub exists for so many reasons, but yeah, um, I don't know where where the I, I always wonder where open source would have been now if it wasn't for companies like GitHub. Um, I mean, you know, like you said, GitHub is like not the only one. There's GitLab and there's other ones. Um, GitHub is by far the biggest place where, where social coding is happening. And I 100% agree that the social aspect is key to GitHub from the beginning mm -hmm. and more so now, I guess. And um, talking to the controversial thing that gets you noticed, 
it's quite the opposite on GitHub. Like that gets you kicked off the platform so quickly. Um, it's not it's not tolerated. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's as if the community on GitHub has decided that we want this thing to be healthy and we're going to do our damnedest to keep it that way. So, you know, GitHub has put things in place to assist with that. But um, the community itself is doing mm-hmm. a lot with that because I've been involved in a whole bunch of open source projects and probably the biggest one is uh, MD and WebDocs. And I mean, as the community manager, I interact with the community, obviously, um, on a daily basis. And, you know, since I've been the community manager officially in April this year, I can count on one hand how many times we've had to um, like kick somebody off. And that is, you know, that's unheard of on a social platform where you four or five people maybe in a, in a span of six, seven months that has stepped over the line. Um, and it's been uh, not really that disruptive because we were able to pick it up so quickly or with this way that you can report internally inside your GitHub repos, a community member would flag it for us and we'd wake up and GitHub shows you a little nice notification bar at the top saying there's one unresolved uh, report that you need to address. You go right in there, you can see the context, what happened, and you can like say, yep, this is not acceptable. You do the thing, you report them to GitHub and you ban them and block them from your project. Everything turns into the little ghost avatar and all their stuff's gone and you can move on with the rest of your day. So yeah, it's 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 really amazing. And I, I mean, the the only thing is I, I constantly go back to like, how do we encourage a more diverse audience to join in? Because, and I wonder sometimes if the audience isn't more diverse than, than we think, because I've also heard that there's a lot of, um, people from underrepresented um, audiences that purposefully change who they represent as on a platform such as this to not be judged, um, to not be excluded. Um, so I wonder if you really dig into to mm. the details, which, you know, I, I don't think that would be very ethical. But if you put that on the side, I think there's probably a larger percentage of underrepresented people contributing but they're not being themselves and that sucks you should never feel ashamed of who you are um you should never hide who you are just to contribute to something you should be celebrated for you know for contributing for who you are not who you represent yourself to be mm-hmm. just to not be pushed out um yeah i can keep talking about this thing for a long time because it's <laughs> i no, but really you like touched to, on it. To, Oh, no, no. What I was going to say is, uh, you know, you touched on a really important part of this, which is GitHub has this unique ability to allow communities to police themselves. Not, I say police, not in like a scary way, but more of like, hey, you know, this is how normal human interaction actually works, right? Which is if you're in a friend group and someone's a jerk, you're like, we're not talking to this person anymore. And something that the internet disrupted was this normal mode of being a human, (laughs) what our interactions were going to be. And, you know, a lot of when I think about with open source is commits and code are really important, but a lot of it is this unseen work of people who are managing the issues, managing the community, talking through discussions, helping people get onboarded, um, showing up what good first issues can look like. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot that we don't talk about what happens on GitHub in building really healthy community interactions. 
And in other social networks, this just doesn't happen because there's no productive work to be done. It is merely a consumptive activity. And so, um, you know, all I want to say is that, like, I really appreciate and, and love that you're sort of shining a light on a lot of the non-coding. Like, there's a lot of non-coding aspects that occur on GitHub, like community management, that really make a huge difference in how that um, project is successful and how we function. So um, I think I'm glad that GitHub has given you the tools. I'm hoping that we're giving you, continuing to give you more tools. Uh, you know, last conference, um, we just talked about, you know, you can now turn off all of your profile settings. So, you know, people don't know who you are from the profile setting view, um, but you can still contribute to open source in the public. And I thought that was a really important way where, um, you know, I agree with you, like, it, it sucks, like, you shouldn't be hiding who you are. But if you don't want to share who you are, you know, sometimes people have preferences. Uh, I never wanted to be in the phone book back in the 90s, like, people remember that stuff. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, you should be able to do that and then still productively um, be an active participant in open source communities. And I think giving people the choice and then the tools to do that um, is a really important aspect of encouraging people from all backgrounds to be able to contribute. Yeah, and I just want to jump in and say I do appreciate how GitHub has added so much to the product over time to really help encourage that. So especially like the, the code of conduct picker and just like surfacing the code of conduct on the main repo page so it's not just hidden as another file there. I think that made a huge difference in adoption of code of conducts across the open source ecosystem. Um, and then even more recently, um, one thing I've been hearing a lot from the, like, the large open source projects is they want to add a little reason on why they've banned someone. Um, because they found that people kept coming back um, with different different parts of the org or different projects. Um, and I appreciate that, like, it's on the roadmap now. Like, people are listening to this and, and adding, like, small tweaks that can make a big difference in how a community is interacting. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, there's just an exemplary example, again, where GitHub's listening and actually doing something, which is rare. Um, oftentimes, companies say we care we want to hear what what your what you need and you speak up and <laughs> nothing happens so yeah it's great it's great um so i, talking I do want to I, I do want to make sure like github is responding to its developers not so like i don't want us to take all the credit this is definitely you know the community is pushing us this way and yeah. it's the community that should really uh be uh be the one that's highlighted but yes yes i'm glad i'm glad we implemented it but um certainly not all the ideas were coming for us no, I'll no, say no. That. <laughs> no for sure but but the fact that github actually listens truly listens there's a difference between listening and 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 just being a i don't know a void into which people scream you know it, it's I, you know, I know a lot of these, <laughs> these ideas and things come from the community, but the fact that GitHub takes it uh, to heart and say, you know what, this is a good idea, let's do this. That is not something that happens a lot. Um, you know, you can look at a lot of like big uh, corporate companies and, and you'll find that you ask for a feature or you report a bug and two years later, it's still there. And you're like, mm, okay, I guess they don't, truly care about the people who use their software or hardware or whatever the case may be. So three big initiatives were announced at uh, Universe. The first one was, like I mentioned earlier, where GitHub is investing in its own stack. And then there was two other. The one uh, is focused on enabling people to potentially uh, quit their day job and make open source their career, um, either as a means to an end or as a means to something bigger, um, 
whatever that might be. And then the other one, which was in partnership with M12, which focuses all again on investing in open source, but there the focus is very much on uh, developer tools. So I had two two kind of questions related to that. The first one is just more information about the first. And then the second one is when you are looking at the developer tools, is there a specific focus there or is it just like general, any any kind of tooling that improves developer productivity or whatever the case may be? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take the first one first and then go to the second one. So for the first one with the GitHub Accelerator, um, I'm just going to take a step back. So we talked a lot about OS grants and how that was an experiment in India. And we wanted to take that experiment in India and really expand it globally and make it a much more tailored program for, for folks. And I, I think, you know, I, I want to start with just like sort of the problem statement, because this is what I heard when I talked to a lot of maintainers. It's like, you've got a great project, thousands of people are using it, maybe even millions for, for all we know. But um you know, if you squint just hard enough, it could be your full-time career. It could be a full-time company. But right now, when you look at open source, like, it's sort of ironic because open source was the original creator community on the internet. I mean, it, it literally built the internet as uh, they were working together. And in some ways, there's this V path for you as a developer. Either you're going to go and do 100% employment at a company and sometimes, you know, for a lucky few, they actually get to work on their open source project while at that company. You know, I can think of the VS Code team at Microsoft or Flutter at Google. You know, a lot of different teams actually exist within big tech companies. Um, and, you know, you're seeing more and more examples of this, like the Next.js um, community or, um, you know, Dragonfly TV. I can name, <laughs> I can rattle off a ton of them. But at the end of the day, that's still full-time employment at a company. And then on the other side of the V-curve, you could become a founder. You could actually start a company, but oftentimes that means raising money from VCs, signing up to a, a really exponential growth curve. And then, you know, oftentimes five years out, you might be looking back on your career and say, hey, I became the CEO of this amazing company, but I'm not a developer anymore. You know, I'm, I'm a CEO, I'm in management, I'm, I'm not just diving on my own. And, and maybe I don't want to build a team or maybe I don't want to sign up for this dramatic growth curve that then makes a bunch of promises to people and things like that. Um, and so we saw this V curve and then there's this huge missing middle. It's like, wow. What about all of the businesses that independent developers or independent companies could be? Um, you know, in, in some ways, I'm sort of looking for like that missing Fortune 5 million of software companies. You know, you don't have to be a VC-backed company. You don't have to do all these things. But in reality, you could build a really nice lifestyle business. And I, this isn't a fantasy. You know, this actually happens on the Internet a lot. Like if you're an amazing carpenter you can have an Etsy storefront and you actually build a really healthy business that sustains you and your family. And there are no further you know, requirements of you. Or if you're in e-commerce, you, know, you knit beautiful sweaters or you have um, an awesome uh, bar that you want to build, whatever it is, right? Like you can get a Shopify storefront and you can actually like build a business on that. And you have someone who handles all the infrastructure and needs for you. And then you get to just focus on that one thing that you want to do. Um, but software doesn't have that. You know, you, you kind of have this like V-curve. You have to choose like, okay, are you going to go work for a company? Or are you going to go um, start a company? And then, yes, I think on the margins, you've seen some people who do consulting contracts and things like that. But that often atomizes development and makes you think of just like an hourly worker. Um, 
versus like a true project where this is like the the full on business. Um, and so we're looking at this and they're like, well, so how do we create more of this missing middle? And, you know, one of the advisors and the accelerator actually is this um, person named Mike Perham, and he started Sidekick and really did an amazing job. You know, you go to Sidekick, you go to the website, it's like, this is a full-fledged business. You, you think it's like 400 people behind it. No, it's like one person. And he has a very active, um, healthy community that helps him build uh, Sidekick, but they're not, you know... They're not trying to be something that they don't want to be. Um, and so one of the things that we're really excited about is having more examples of that. And so with the accelerator, what we're doing is we're saying, we're going to take 10 weeks. We're going to give you the money. Like I said earlier, we're going to give you mentorship. Um, but we want to see so many different examples of people. Maybe it is that you want to go and work for a company on your open source project or not. Maybe this is your discovery way to really show off a new skill set that you have um, – you know, a unique perspective on and, and someone wants to hire you for that. Maybe it's that you want to be an independent developer where you have 50 sponsors who are helping you um, support this really critical software project that sits in a lot of people's software supply chains. Maybe you want to start a company, but not sign up for this VC backed, um, you know, growth curve, but actually, um, you know, build a, what I would say, like a lifestyle business for you and your family. Um, or maybe you want to go and start a big company and, you know, take VC money and, and, and go the full gamut. Um, but we want to give all of those options available people. And I think the, the big thing here is how do you create more examples and ways for people to just say, Hey, that's the career I want to take, not this or that, but, you know, I want to work on this open source project and it can be, uh, the thing that sustains me for, for the long term. Um, so that's really the big objective behind the accelerator. Um, and then I can go over to the fund, uh, which is slightly different, but probably along the path. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. So on the fund side, you know, as we think about that trajectory, you know, you're building a career, you're building a company, maybe you do actually want to start that big, you know, company, VC money, et cetera. Um, one thing that we really recognize on GitHub is that there are so many companies that are built on GitHub every day, and we don't have really a hand in that at all, other than you know being the platform that supports them. Um, and often the, the best tools for developers are built in open source because everyone understands how they're being built. They can contribute back if they see a feature or a thing that needs to be you know, built on the margin. And what we started to realize is that it's sort of silly that GitHub doesn't help any of these businesses come to fruition. It doesn't help any of these developer tools kind of cross that chasm into uh, you know, a full-fledged developer product. Um, and so what we wanted to do was create a way for us to invest in the community. Um, and this is an investment fund. You know, it's, it's actually um, backed by, like, like you were saying, it's called M12, which is Microsoft's venture arm. Uh, we have two great partners in Todd Graham and Priyanka Mitra, who are both part of the investment team. And we're looking to really support people in that really crucial period where you're going from like a, a pre-seed to seed, maybe possibly seed to series A um, part of the journey where GitHub's insight and how open source products are actually built um, and how you interact with the community, how you end up moving into an enterprise product, how you, um, you know, build a relationship with both the community side as well as the customer side. Um, you know, I think that's something that GitHub is really uniquely positioned for and something that we really want to help more maintainers become CEOs of really great 
developer tools companies. When we say developer tools, um, you know, they really run the gamut. The example, you know, our first investment uh, is CodeC, which we were super excited about partnering with Shanann team. And they really sit at the heart of the code review process, as well as discovering new repositories as you get started. Um, and so for us, it was a really complimentary investment. You know, it, it made sense because it is so stitched into how GitHub should be working, as well as what developers need when they're trying to understand the code base. You know, they're, they're rocking up to the thing first time. They're like, well, what happens if I do this or that? Um, you know, how does this all flow through? So I think they're a great example. But, um, you know, as we as we look out across, you know, we, we committed a, a $10 million sum to the fund and we'll be looking to do a set of investments over the next year, one of the key components is going to be, you know, is this a, a tool that really helps developers in their DevOps life cycle? Um, and the second is really, you know, are they building it um, with a community in mind, um, whether that's, you know, an open, you know, open core model or um, with an open source community that is really helping advance and augment the product itself. So, that's sort of the objective behind the fund. Uh, I think we've got a lot of work to do and a, a lot of, um, you know, uh, ways to show how this partnership actually works. Um, but I think we've gotten a great start and we're excited to partner with more CEOs in the space. Yeah, that's super great. Yeah, I think that's, that's perfect. That those two pair perfectly together. I'm curious just on the... Um, on the first one, the accelerator, um, who can apply for to for or to the accelerator? Yeah. Um, so the first class is going to be super experimental. So what I want to say is like, if you're thinking about any of this, if you're really excited about it at all, like, please apply, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out um, together. But I think, you know, if I if I had to pick the right lens, it's someone who has already got an existing open source project. Um, you know, you have a good, healthy set of users who are already depending on your software. You have a view on how you want to take this full time. You you understand what this could look like, um, but you probably don't have all the answers on, you know, this is a company, this is a that, this is a that. You just really want to be able to quit your job, <laughs> work for the internet and work on your open source project full time. Um, and then, you know, I think one thing that is really important to us is we want to source developers from across the world. You know, we're not just looking for one geography. It's a fully remote program so that it's, you know, able to be participated. You can participate in it from anywhere. Um, and so for us, it's really about, you know, either individuals or teams of two or three at max um, who want to be able to take something that's quite a successful open source project out in the world today into, uh, you know, either a new company or a new um, career for, for all the participants. So that's the main objective that we're thinking about. And then, like I said, if you if you're still thinking about it, if you're like, oh, I don't quite fit, like, please just still apply. We'll, we'll talk to you and have a conversation and see what we can do. <laughs> Great, um, Abby. So um, <clears throat> stepping over to maintaining and running this actual open source thing and the tools that GitHub provide. Um, post uh, Universe, I completed a survey that was sent to me, um, and as I've mentioned before, it it it, it clearly felt like it was heavily focused around almost community management, like what I'm doing. I felt like a lot of the questions were pertinent to me and what I would need from GitHub. Um, and so I'm curious if you're aware of any like initiatives inside GitHub that's, you know, brewing in alpha stages or something that 
is around this way of enabling enabling community managers or you know like that kind of task oriented thing to give people more tools to be able to do this better like i've mentioned there's some challenges like keeping your eyes on like a big org like uh web docs that has like 50 repositories for example you know and then have discussions happening and stuff like that do you are you aware of anything that's coming um out of github yeah well first huge thanks for filling out that survey uh we appreciate your data and your input there. And I, I do want to tell you a little bit about the survey itself. So that was actually run by uh, Grace Forder. She's the research partner for the Communities Org. And that survey really was to learn how we can help maintainers build community. So exactly what you're looking at. Um, and we want to hear exactly from people like you so that we can build, oh, <laughs> we can build products that, <laughs> okay, bless you, Nathan. Um, Thank you. <laughs> We do want to be able to build products that, that really help maintainers do this. And um, a big reason why I came to GitHub, actually, was because they put this community's org together. So it's run by Stormy Peters, who you may have overlapped with at Mozilla Skulk. So she was uh, working at MDN back in the day. Yep, um, but yep. when I saw that she had come, yeah, when I saw that she had moved over from Microsoft over to GitHub, I got really excited. And it was nice to see that they were putting this whole part of the org together that was that's meant to really serve the open source community and really support the open source community. So part of that is an engineering team that builds products like discussions, like you mentioned, achievements, uh, the the feed and the profile. Uh, but it also includes parts like education, uh, DevRel with open source, and some and docs because uh, documentation is a big part of this too. So um, yes, there is lots of things on the radar for for open source maintainers for building community. Um, I can't talk about very many of them, but we did launch a bunch of stuff. Um, over at GitHub Universe, and like the biggest ones lately is uh, like GitHub sponsors the bulk sponsorships. I think that would be great for maintainers. But I did want to say that there is a mm-hmm. whole part of the org and like hundreds of people thinking about this and working on this. So if you have input, fill out surveys, please. Uh, reach out to me. Reach out to us. Let us know your feedback and what what pain points that you have or what like feature requests that you have because we really do want to be helping you thrive on GitHub. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'm super excited to see what's coming out. Like now I'm even more excited. <laughs> I forgot to say, so the survey itself, I did ask Grace a little bit about what they found there. And like we've been talking about, um, they found that a lot of maintainers are doing this in their spare time because um, we we surveyed the top thousand. So maintainers for the top thousand open source projects using the same rank that we did for the top maintainers that I mentioned before, but also contributors and um, and users. And so many of these maintainers were just doing this in their spare time and really community building was quite a low priority for them just because they're just trying to survive as an open source project or they're trying to grow the project in the first place. Um, so I, the survey responses will help us prioritize making discussions more useful, especially for Q&A type questions. We found that was really helpful. Um, and we want to learn how to incentivize the community to help each other out. Uh, big feedback we heard was like maintainers felt like they were the ones answering all of the stuff on discussions. So that's really um, what the research found. So I think we'll be able to see some work in that area soon. Yeah, it's super exciting. I'm really glad to hear that because um, I do think there there is definitely a opportunity for GetUp there um, where there is definitely a need. And the fact that you all are thinking about it is wonderful. Um, so 
in closing, um, this was a wonderful conversation, and um, I'm excited about all the things that GitHub's doing and the things that's coming down the pipeline. Um, I'd like to hear from each of you, um, what are your hopes for open source and open source communities and the role open source can play in bettering our world? Um, before I answer that, can I answer your other question that I heard when I could hear you, but could had to leave off? Um, you were asking about like task lists and roadmaps and stuff. Yeah, I just want to say people are so excited about that. The task list um, feature. That's the first time a maintainer asked me if they can turn it on their org before I even knew what it was. So the day it was staff shipped, so it was available for me as staff, but I hadn't opened an issue yet. Um, I got a message uh, from CNCF. They were like, oh, can you turn this on for us? And I was like, what are they talking about? And it wasn't until I actually opened an issue and I saw it, I was like, oh, this is what they want. They found out so fast and they were so excited about it. Um, so I agree with you, like these tools that can help you actually manage your project and do the work without leaving the GitHub platform. I think it's so valuable for maintainers um, and it's really exciting to see that come through. So coming up, I know um, a big thing for open source that I'm excited about, they're going to be releasing a secret scanning for public repositories. So that's launching December 13th. So by the time this podcast comes out, <laughs> it should be there. Um, but right now, secret scanning is only available for um, uh, GitHub Advanced Security, which is like an, um, an add-on for enterprise. Um, but now on all public repositories, um, you'll get notifications if like secrets are accidentally um, committed to your code. So I think this will be huge for open source and just making sure that we're keeping open source secure, because I know security has been a huge topic the last few years, especially. Um, so that's what I'm kind of excited about product-wise. And now I can answer your other question, Skulk. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think it's a big question that you have and sort of what are my hopes for the open source ecosystem? I think I, I want to keep seeing maintainers supported um, and I do want to see your average maintainer supported. I think we're doing a great job with, with the most visible people and there already are structures in place for them to get like the grant funding and like the, the sponsors funding. But I would like to see more from your average maintainer um, who maybe is a little bit less visible. Maybe they're not creating the flashy content or, or streaming. Um, so it's a little bit harder for them to get the attention. Um, so I do want to create spaces for, for that group to, to get the support they need, both financially, but also just from each other. It is really lonely maintaining um, a community. You don't often, you don't have a ton of peers that you can turn to. So even just creating a space where people can talk to each other. This is a lot of what I'm thinking about now. I'm thinking about how can we curate this kind of community for maintainers to learn from each other so that the whole community can just level up and can have better open source. I couldn't agree more with yeah, I mean, I, I can't agree more with Abby. I, you know, as I, I said at the start, we want open source to thrive. And this is not something that we, you know, are thinking about on a one or a two or a four year scale. It's on a decade level scale because our whole world runs on open source. It doesn't matter if you're a tech company or any company. I mean, you look at the light bulbs in your room, the car that you drive, the software that you use on your computer every day, all of it depends on open source. And it is really our responsibility and our interest as, um, you know, a community of developers to make sure that it can support itself and have the right community members and connections so that people continue to contribute to open source instead of, again, going back into their closed silos and, and starting to do the same work that everyone else is doing. And I think 
you know, as we've seen over the last decade, like open source is really one. It's the model that just makes sense um, and will continue to do a better job than people working alone. Um, and so to the extent that we can give maintainers the tools that they need to manage their community or run their software and the support they need financially and <laughs> I want to say like mentally or, or psychologically, spiritually, whatever it is, so that people really feel welcome in the community and know that they can build their careers and their companies for the long term. So hopefully we're making some steps towards that. And I know we've got a lot more work to do and we just need to continue forward. Yeah, that's all great. I love that. I love it. Yeah, no, for me as well. I I see open source playing a key role in in how we work, how we work together, and what we make. Um, and I think I think there's there's a lot of promise, and I think there's a lot of opportunities for people in places like Africa, India, um, the all these developing nations. I think there's a lot of by enabling people to make things, I think it, it it'll naturally be a positive impact on communities. And when communities get healthy, it it, it just you know it, it it rolls over, and it eventually it it flows into the country as a whole, and countries, and then the globe as as a whole. So I think this is a wonderful thing. I've I've been in open source for so long that I can't even imagine myself working or doing anything else. Um, so I want to again thank both of you for joining me. I really, really appreciate this. Um, it means a lot to me that GitHub is so open to to speaking with the community, which you've proven again today. Um, and so thanks for everything you do and, you know, keep doing it. Um, the open source, whole open source community is behind you. So thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Mechanical Inc. podcast. Join the conversation on Discord. All the links are in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have a moment, please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, as this helps others find us and helps us make a better podcast for you, our listeners. Thank you.